You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition. Now, it's turkey season all over the country right now, and if you're looking for a turkey shot that is just going to slam turkeys dead, you need to check out the Heavyweight TTS. Now, it comes in a variety of gauges, whether you shoot a 410, a 12-gauge, or a 20-gauge, this is the turkey shot for you. A lot of cool things going on with this. It has 22% denser material than a standard tungsten, uh, 56% denser than lead. So what this means is that at longer distances, you're getting higher velocities and a more consistent patterning. It has a full-length wad that prevents direct contact off of the extra hard pellets and the bore. And long story short, that protects the barrel If you want to find out more information about Federal Premium Ammunition, visit federalpremium.com. Here we go again. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Today, we're going to be talking with fellow family member and what I mean by that is fellow Sportsman's Nation family member from the Huntivore podcast Mr. Nick Otto now Nick is a wild game food nut just like most of us are like we love to eat wild game and today we kind of step away from the wild game side of it now we do talk about backstraps and we do talk about um, some of the favorite dishes that he likes to cook but today's podcast is a little bit more focused on the side dishes what side dishes we like to eat with our venison and with our wild game and uh, I thought that might be an interesting podcast so guess what that's what we talk about today we also talk a little bit about alcohol pairings like beers and wines and what beer and wine may go good with venison and or other wild game now we don't get the opportunity to dive in really deep in this episode i had some time constraints so there's only 45 minutes that i had available today to talk with nick but we got the job done and this is kind of a high level bs session about (laughs) about venison side dishes wine and beer and all the things that go good with a good backstrap or go good with venison per se or really anytime but that's what today's uh, podcast is about now let's get into the commercial and then we're going to get right into this episode today's commercial is vortex optics now you guys have heard me talk about vortex quite a bit they are the title sponsor of this podcast right uh, vortexoptics.com go visit their website and find out about all of the optics that these guys offer they offer rifle scopes red dots binoculars range finders spotting scopes a whole bunch of different things and one thing that these guys are known for is their vip warranty what is their vip warranty you break it someone else breaks it they fix it if they can't fix it they send you a replacement for free it's literally that simple i've had to take advantage of the vip warranty before the vip warranty before and uh see i had a seal break on my binoculars and i was getting moisture inside one of my cylinders sent it in fixed it uh another time i had a lens or a a cap break on the top the eyepiece broke on it sent it in fixed it sent it back to me like a two-week period even right so it's fast 
it's free and uh, when you have a warranty like that and the amount of uh, wear and tear I put on my hunting gear throughout a year, it's a no-brainer to buy from a company like that. So if you want to find out more information about all of the optics that Vortex offers, visit their website, vortexoptics.com. All right, let's get into this uh, episode with Nick Otto. It's basically about side dishes that go good with venison. Hope you guys enjoy. Nick Otto, how are you? Dude, I am great. Uh, I'd like to say that weather was a little better, but we're we're sitting at like 30 degrees outside on a mid-April day. Right. It's a little bit of a little bit of a bummer, but I am inside. I am now cracking an IPA and I'm sitting here talking to Dan Johnson. This is awesome. Well, it's close. I mean, it's like uh what what time is it in Michigan? You're an hour ahead of us. So it's 3.45 there, right? Correct. It's close to 5 o'clock. It is close to 5 o'clock. <laughs> Man, I, don't, take, don't take this the wrong way, but if I didn't put the 5 o'clock restraint on mine, I'd be cracking beer at about 10.30 in the morning these days. <laughs> hey, Rona time is always 5 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So I know that I am struggling being a uh in home uh you know school from home provider are you are you breaking down the curriculum for your kids curriculum for your kids um a bit mm-hmm. a bit we've been utilizing um some of the stuff that well my oldest is in kindergarten so he's got some apps that are on uh on the iPad and stuff that we've been able to go to that are educational um, but with them being pretty much preschool and younger, it's really just social skills that we're working on. Uh, my youngest just turned two and he's into hitting now. So ah, we spent a lot of, yeah. a lot of, lot of time in timeouts. Um, but at the same time, uh, we've been down in the shop. Uh, I've got the five-year-old working on inches and feet. Like he made the connection that the red, uh, feet number there's 12 of the black numbers between each one. So it's like we're making progress with learning <laughs> with some real world uh, applications. So that's been that's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My two year old uh, the other day, I caught him with a handful of toys in the bathroom and he was getting ready to like throw him in the toilet. Oh, no, no. <laughs> but I think he was in there before, and I didn't catch him. And now our toilet does not flush. Oh, So man. every time we push down on the lever, it fills with water. It doesn't flow over, but it doesn't flush. So I'm I'm thinking he got something past me, and now we have to, on top of all the other crap that's going on in our life, figure out a time to to call a plumber to have them come fix a toilet so right now we're down one toilet in the house oh man i i would say that you could call that plumber the other thing too is i'm just a diyer i like to make the mess bigger for the plumber when i finally call them (laughs) going through your scenario uh it's literally taking those two bolts out and just picking the toilet up careful not to slosh it and get the toilet tipped into the tub and you should be golden you'll be able to find whatever is in there i found i'm not a i don't have a lot of facial hair but i do have all the attachments for the um the razor and yeah our our two-year-old threw those down in there and i didn't i didn't need them so i never looked for them (laughs) so anyway (laughs) that's where i found them but anyway uh Otherwise, yeah, go ahead and give the plumber a call. Yeah, uh, my luck, something will happen. Like I am, I think I have pretty bad luck when it comes to DIY projects. I'm that guy where it's like, oh, this should take an afternoon to do, or this should take a couple hours. Let me just quick go to Lowe's and buy what I need, you know, fix this, or you know, I start getting into the project, and then underneath of whatever it is I'm trying to fix is like another $500 repair that is needed or <laughs> it's like an instantly stop what you're doing and call the professional type, uh, type of scenario. And it, uh, I don't know. You got two boys though, right? Uh, three, three. Boys. Got, uh, oh man. Yep. Royal five. Rump. Yeah. Five, three and two. Um, the first one, he's the rule follower. 
Yeah. And uh, he's very, very precise. He he makes the rules. Of course, the middle child, he breaks the rules. And then the last one, the rules don't apply. Yeah. He's the In biggest. world. And, right. He's the biggest, like, so far, like, chronologically as he's going along. He's been bigger than the other two have. <laughs> and I think he's realizing, like, I'm pretty strong. So, like. Yeah, it's there's going to be a lot of broken drywall. There's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to continue to DIY around here. Oh man, three boys all in that age range. I just I just envision your house like Royal Rumble, like a cage match all the time. <laughs> well, the yeah, I mean it's been kind of lame lately, but uh, we're into monster trucks now, which is still good. Though you can play those on YouTube, but uh, watching like the Friday night. Uh, raw or friday night wwe that's on yeah. whatever channel uh there's no crowds in the background so we still tune in for a little bit but like the luster is gone so <laughs> then it, but then it becomes our own yeah we've got a king size bed and it's definitely you're throwing kids left and right onto it and they're they come back for more all the time yeah. so they sleep well though that's yeah. at least the good thing oh mine don't I, I feel don't. like I feel like we shouldn't even talk about food today. We should just talk about our struggles as just fathers. <laughs> I tell you, being I mean the quarantine's been great as far as social distancing, but like yeah, when it's 24/7, my wife's working from home as well, but she's like actually doing adult stuff. Uh yeah, it's you know, I'm like a I'm like a fourth toddler yeah. in the house. Really it's just really all you're doing cuz you're a teacher, right? And do you teach high school or middle school? I teach elementary. Elementary. So, so all you're doing element. is downgrading age to a different, right? You're just doing what you'd normally do, but having to Correct. downgrade a little bit. <laughs> you you bet. Oh, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I'm, I am known for having a long fuse and having good patience. But it is stressful in our house, especially when the kids all start fighting each other and I'm trying to work and my wife's trying to work and, and, uh, and it's not necessarily warm enough to just kick them outside yet. So, yeah. I don't know. The last thing I need is frostbite on my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see here. Hard transition time, buddy. I uh, For those of you guys who don't know, Nick Otto here is the host of the Hunt of War podcast. And, um, Nick, would I be out of line if I called you a food nut, uh, a wild game food nut? No, you would be in line. Okay. Um, I I really grabbed on. I'm, I'm a fat kid at heart. Yes. As much as I'm a phys ed teacher uh, and I try to teach being healthy, there's still that little thing inside of me that says uh, food food is food trumps exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm that same. But kid. yeah, <laughs> good good deal. Um, but then even taking like you said the the foodie and just adding the wild aspect to it, where I'm getting something that's totally unique. Uh, in flavor, in texture, and being able to make it just amped up. Uh, there is nothing wrong with beef, chicken, lamb. I mean, don't hashtag don't diss the domestic. It's yeah. all good stuff. Um, but at the same time, just getting something wild on the plate is it's just one more good feeling you can get from it. Yeah. So what was it like three days ago? I pulled out a mule deer backstrap that I had in my freezer. And, you know, one thing I one thing I really like about eating wild game is knowing where it came from. And what I mean by that is knowing that I killed that animal. And every time I, I partake in the consumption of that wild game, I relive the memories of, you know, scouting for it, shooting it, uh, dragging it out of the woods, processing it, and then ultimately eating it. But I will say there is now this little extra, um, uh, I guess, category that I always think about when I'm preparing wild game. And it, it's don't upset Nick Otto because, <laughs> <laughs> because I like after listening to your podcast and after talking to you and getting to know you somewhat, um, how passionate you are about cooking wild game, I feel like you take it to like you take it to a whole different level than what I do. So I'm trying to slow down, educate myself. And all this is leading up to, I cooked the best backstrap in my life the other day. And I didn't overcook it. And the whole time I had a little Nick auto on my shoulder going, 
don't overcook it, Dan. Don't overcook <laughs> it. And it, dude, I marinated. I let it get to room temperature. I marinated it in soy sauce and olive oil. Um, I threw it on the a hot pan for about three minutes, four minutes each side. Melted butter, garlic, and rosemary. And then I kind of in the same pan and scooped it on top of it and let it drizzle down. Let it set for about five minutes and cut it up. Oh my god, dude. It was worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it. And I'm glad that you little, I'm glad that you're on my Nicato shoulder. That little on your side was just like arm fist, <laughs> arm pumping like, yeah, yeah. They need a Nick Otto emoji. And that way yes. I can just send it to you every time and you'll know, oh, Dan's cooking wild game tonight. <laughs> so, all right. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about the wild game itself the main courses, right? We talk about backstraps or replacing ground beef with ground venison or, you know, the YouTube, you know, on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel, you just uh, put a video out where you cut up a hind quarter. Was it a hind quarter or front quarter? No, that was a hind quarter. Hind quarter, right? So you cut up a hind quarter and got all the cuts out of it. But not a lot of people talk about the side dishes or the drinks that complement the main dish. So if it's okay with you, I would like to have that conversation today. Well, Dan, you're going to need to buckle up because <laughs> <laughs> I know you said, all right, we're going to slow things down. We're going to, you know, I want to add these little extra steps to getting, we are now, we're going from 101 to graduate level oh boy. here I'm as ready. far as culinary goes. I'm ready. I think I've um, upped my culinary game over the last couple you know, I'd say last five years as far as cooking wild game and trying different things on how to prepare it and the side dishes and like pairing beers and wines with it. But quarantine life has got me kind of living off the scraps of what I prepare my kids, which is <laughs> corn dogs, chicken nuggets, you know, the the easy meals. Yeah, you are. You're, yeah, you're fit, a lot of leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, we've been trying to do a lot of local stuff to go to the restaurants or at least order from the restaurants and pull those in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, adding in side dishes and uh, now pairing it with alcohol, like there's just a lot of things that are going on. Yeah. So let me preface this first with whatever steps you're making, other than what you normally just grab a sleeve of ground venison, throw it in a pan, add salt, pepper, drain it, eat it. Like whatever steps you're taking on top of that to improve the way that you cook is already a win. Right. Um, you're not going to win this. Actually, there is no win. This is just an endless marathon of what do I like? And it's going to it's going to vary person to person. Um, but at the same time, it's like this endless journey to figure out what I like. And then at the same time, how do I find the next thing that increases its flavor or yeah. makes it more bold? or tender or whatever you're going for. Um, but the, the tough thing about it is when you're going with side dishes is that what, what you're trying to do is have it be a painting that all flows together. Now I'm all of a sudden adding art into it. Um, I think of French impressionism. Now I'm going a little bit crazy here, but anyway, it's, basically a bunch of everything's using colors and shades and dots and small strokes. And when you back up, it creates this flowing picture. Yeah. And if you're cooking with your side dishes separate in a Thanksgiving Dixie style paper plate where there's divides where I've got my beautiful done backstrap and now I have a cup of rice next to it, but it's not, there's no tie together. That's it. I mean, the rice can be perfectly cooked or the noodles can be just wonderful, buttery and good, but then they're just noodles. Right. And it's separate from the backstrap. Yeah. You could replace anything in that point. The difficult part is what you're trying to do is then mix those together. So as you put them on the plate, there's, something that brings those together closely so that every time that you want to take a bite of the backstrap or shank or whatever you've made as your protein, that you also want to be able to scoop a little bit of that side dish onto it. Um, one way to tie 
side dishes together into the protein is a sauce. So we're going to go back to your backstrap um, that you cooked in that hot pan. What you've done now is there is these caramelized bits on the bottom of that cast iron pan or that regular pan that you were using. And to use that as a base for a sauce. So if you've got even beef stock or chicken stock or even just water at that point, you could add that to the pan. Actually, let me back up. You need to deglaze first. Let's there's our first add of alcohol here. So throw a little bit of uh, brandy in there or something with a high alcohol content and scrape the bottom of that pan that's still hot. Yeah. Now you add your stock. Now you add your water, whatever you're going for. Maybe add some cream, add some pepper to it, and you let that then simmer down, and you've now got this beautiful sauce. You didn't have to find all these different elements. You're using what you already had and just getting those bits off by using a little bit of the alcohol to, to deglaze de the pan, and then maybe add some body with the cream, season that with some salt and pepper, and it's a it's beautiful stuff made right there. Yeah. Now you ladle that on the back strap and then continue on to your side dish. There's your marrying point is you've now brought those two together. So if you got steamed broccoli, bring that sauce over top of the steamed broccoli. Um, with those same uh, herbs that you were putting on the protein with your thyme and your rosemary, pull those over onto carrots. You know, you slice them long wise, you throw them in the oven I, I think oven-roasted vegetables, um, they bring out the best in the sweetness, the best of the caramelization of that vegetable. Um, I mean, steaming is all right, but, man, you get something out of the oven that's got a caramelized top to it. It's already starting to bubble, and I don't want to say burn, but really start to darken. That just really brings out that best in that vegetable. And then to continue that sauce over the top of that. So finding a way to then not just put your side dish on the side, but to marry the two together, to find an element that brings it all in, that is how you're going to get whatever you're making for your side dish. That's what's going to make it chive. So the handshake between the vegetable or the side dish with the protein, in, in this example, it's the mule deer backstrap, is a, a good sauce. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's talk. Let's elaborate on that just a little bit. What, what would your go-to side dish be or a side dish recommendation because i'll be honest i went no side dish on this and i ate the whole backstrap by myself i my my family had their dinner and i had my dinner which was the, the carnivore diet you know just the backstrap i mean if you're going keto you're done that yeah. was that's, you're good to go right so what's the recommendation on a on a side dish or maybe multiple side dishes for a for a backstrap gotcha this one is going to include seasonality. Um, chefs of, you know, higher class in the in the restaurants, you know, if they got a Michelin star or whatever, they're always looking for what's in season. I don't want something that's been sitting on the shelf forever. I want to get something that's in time with what's going on. So here we are in April, and we're just starting to get the shoots and the buds of asparagus. Oh, buddy. And like Southern states are already being able to harvest that. And that's, what's been coming, you know, trucking up here to Michigan is the, uh, is fresh asparagus. So it's like, heck yeah, man, take that, cover it some olive oil, uh, again, into the oven, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our taste receptors here in a little bit when we get to the wine. Um, but to take Parmesan, uh, crumbled up Parmesan and just sprinkle that on top, that just adds an umami flavor to, those um, already acidic asparagus bits or the, the stalks. Oh man, that is, that's a great springtime side dish is going to be your asparagus. Um, even carrots cut long ways thrown into the broiler or into uh, a hot oven. That's going to be a great like springtime uh, side dish. Being that everything's kind of getting lighter, a little bit more fresh, I save my mashed potatoes. And I know that's a staple of a lot of people. I save my mashed potatoes for those dark, long winters. <laughs> so when it's when it's below freezing, I'm, I'm looking for spuds. But if it's starting to get warmed up, like, I don't want something that heavy. I want to be able to, to brighten it up with either a root vegetable. Um, 
Oh, here's a good one. Actually, my kids, they love beets for two reasons. Number one, uh, they are super sweet. They're not the steamed beets like grandma made that turned me away from them. Um, but throwing them again, hitting them with some olive oil, some salt into the oven, pull them out once they're crispy and really kind of bubbly. And man, they are delicious. They're sweet and the kids just eat them up. Plus, it really does turn your poop red. And so be ready. When it happens, it is a little bit of a, oh, my goodness, what is happening on the inside of me? But don't be alarmed. That's just the cause of the beats. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's good to know. And, you know, kids find that kind of stuff interesting. They find the human oh, man, interesting. They, lo- they think it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Especially three boys in the house, right? So uh, let's see here. Let's see. We've talked a little bit about the root, uh, root vegetables. Um, are you a salad guy at all? Do you ever mix like a, a side salad with your with your meat? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we're part of the Midwest. Ranch is king. So we do – I mean, we'll just throw a little bit of lettuce on there and stuff. But like a really fresh, light Caesar salad is something that I think that goes really well, not too heavy on, on the dressing. Um, I know they had that problem with the um, – romaine lettuce yes they had the problem with the romaine lettuce i think that's long since passed but anyway something with some crunch with some bite to it um and even mixing in uh different lettuces is always good i like a i'm a spin i do love spinach i can have spinach either on a sandwich i can have a spinach um mixed in with a, a starch like a like a rice or whatnot but even some simple salad like a vinaigrette with spinach and strawberries and walnuts. That's a great one, too. You're getting some sweet. You're getting some tart. You're getting some bitter all in that same uh, little salad. And at the same time, that, that sticks with you as well. Okay. So are you a, are you the kind of guy who maybe likes to saute some on, onions or mushrooms in your sauce and then put them over top of your backstrapper or your, your protein whenever you, you eat? Yeah, the uh, the old adage that a, a good steak doesn't need a sauce does apply, but then at the same time when we're going back and and we're like we're talking about marrying things together, um, taking a white onion and really getting a rough chop on it. You know, if you really like a, a a nice onion flavor to that, give yourself maybe a half inch square on each of those, um, and yeah, even in butter, just throw a little bit of butter in a pan. And really get those caramelized. Don't be afraid of color. Don't be afraid of sound. This might be a pro tip, but a lot of people, they, they want to touch it. They want to move it. They want to adjust it. Let the heat do the work. Don't be afraid of a little bit of dark color. Um, like Think about pancakes. Like You're not going to get that pancake all the way finished if you're – you know, the first signs of bubbles on the top, you need a a bunch of the bubbles before you flip it. And is it going to be a little darker? Yes. But at the same time, that's going to offer that uh, sweetness you're looking for. And so that just happens the same thing with uh, an onion and that same thing. Mushrooms. Um, If I could find morels, heck yeah, you bet you they're going on that backstrap. But even just some button mushrooms chopped up, um, or even a big old portobello into pieces, that's a great addition. Um, and I would mix that right into the sauce. We mentioned that one sauce, that just that simple pan sauce where you're throwing cream, maybe add a little bit of uh, Dijon mustard with your onions, with your uh, your mushrooms at that point, and just that can go on the entire bottom of the plate. doesn't matter what side dish you're going to have. It's all going to taste good. Yeah. I'll tell you this right now. Um, I... I fell victim to what you just said about leave it alone. I was that guy who felt you had to flip every 30 seconds, right? I'm like, oh, you got to flip it. You, know, you treat it like a hamburger or whatever. You're just like, flip it, flip it, flip it. You got to get it right on each side and you can't have it burnt on the bottom or you can't have it a chart at all or no color. You just got to keep flipping it. And dude, <laughs> until I was cooking with a buddy one time and he, he like slapped my hand and he's like, what, what, what are you doing, dude? Stop it. Stop what you're doing. You're horrible at this. And then I had to learn my lesson. You know what I mean? So it's, and it is you getting to that point where I could finally let a piece of meat just do that. And, you know, in me learning, I would literally set a timer that it's like, I'm going to give it two minutes and I am not going to touch it. 
And that was a painful 120 seconds. Like <laughs> I would get to 45 and I'm like, ah, it's going to be too bad. No, you said two minutes. Yeah. And I, my, my dividends paid off. My patience paid off in that. Now, I mean, you're going to have pieces uh, that you're going to overdo and you're going to have to play with your heat a little bit. But as you get going along in this journey, set the timer and to just to that. Yeah, don't don't touch it. Let it do its thing. Yeah. Or with the case of ground, um, trying to brown up ground, don't throw the whole one pound into your small pan at once. You're going to steam it. It's going to turn out gray. Do a half a pound. Yeah. And then move that off, then do the other half. But Nick, that's a second step. I'm I'm trying to rush this. Yeah. That's one thing that cooking doesn't allow for is rush. Yeah. Takes time. Yeah. You're you're right on the nose right there. All right. So we've talked about some vegetables. What are your thoughts on this? Because I'll tell you that one of my favorite things to eat really with any meat, especially if it's off the grill, is pork and beans. Uh, you know, just I'm trying to think of what uh, what company makes the the man. I'm trying to think, but it's like the maple barbecue and the the hickory smoke and all these different varieties and flavors of beans. I if I was ever put on death row, I feel like <laughs> my I feel like my last meal would be the backstrap that I cooked yesterday or two days ago, and a can of pork and beans and that that's like my go-to there's not a lot of extra into that is that uh does that take away or does it add or is it just is it just like a poor man's right move no that's a that's a great thing um again we're gonna be we're gonna jump into this uh graduate level because now we're gonna be talking about complement flavors and contrast flavors and what you're getting with those pork and beans that are really sweet, but then they've got that bits of bacon in there that's adding the smokiness is that sweet is going one direction and your umami salty uh, backstrap is going an opposite way. So you've got two flavors that are going opposite, but that excites our palate. Think of, um, like hot fudge pickles. There was a book when I was younger and it talked about hot fudge pickles and our librarian read it to us. And then in, in fact, then had a like fondue pot and was able to then feed us pickles that had been dipped in hot fudge. And we were all like, Oh man, this is not going to taste good, but you taste that. And it's like, that is now a midnight snack because you're getting those two different flavors going on at once. So when you're putting that really sweet side dish along with, uh, your backstrap. I mean, yeah, that's like a match made in heaven. You know, you don't even need the napkin or the spoon at that point. You're just soaking it all up uh, with your mule deer at that point. Um, but beans is a great vessel, too. That's a soft, velvety, uh, protein-filled package right there uh, with those beans. So, no, that's a great way to go. Um, I would even suggest trying to make your own beans. I know you were trying to think of the company that can uh, – can do that uh, or that makes it pre in a can which is you know a great easy way to be able to do that but to be able to take your own molasses and brown sugar and take some northern beans and mix those in there i think you could probably make yourself some baked beans that would just blow your mind okay all right what about this i'm a huge fan uh, wait. I can, I love how I talk about food because I say I'm a huge fan and then I you can really put any food after it. <laughs> anything <laughs> anything <in there. laughs> after it. But like uh I'm a huge fan of cold sides like macaroni salad and uh potato salad as well. Where where do you stand on that eating with let's just say a venison backstrap or venison of any of any sort? Um Again, we're getting into now we're going to get into like where people likes and dislikes. Gotcha. Um, where it's going to be person to person because I, I, I'm a sucker for potato salad as well. Uh, mustard based, but I, I mean, great solid um, mix to it. it has radish in it, has the egg, has the celery. And I will pair that with any white piece of meat. Now, I know we've been talking like specifically venison on this, um, but, you know, the 
basically the the champion of spring coming up here in a couple weeks is going to be the wild, wild turkey. I think that with a cold dish like a macaroni salad or even a uh, egg salad and a uh, potato salad would just I mean you got a you either a smoked breast or even just a roasted wild turkey breast, um, even a schnitzel style, that would just be a pear made in heaven because of how light those cold dishes are. It's a mayonnaise-based, it's a, a condiment-based, and it just really complements that white meat where I think in that play between venison and potato salad, for myself, the venison's going to kind of overpower that a little bit. It's going to be... It, that'll be the star of the show and it's going to have this uh, potato salad that doesn't really know what it's doing in the background. But again, that's just my own personal preference. There's going to be somebody out there that's going to be like <laughs> throwing the gauntlet down. What? what are you, saying? <laughs> you may send your, yeah, you may send your complaints to huntivore at gmail.com because I have the spam folder open and that's where that'll set. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, okay. Other than the sides that we've already talked about and not necessarily pairing with a backstrap or, you know, a solid meat, maybe, um, a pot roast type or a, a shank that's been cooked all day long or whatever, right. Other than mm -hmm. back, other than the standard backstrap, what are some pairings that you really like? And what are some other side dishes that you really like? Oh man, if we're getting into shanks all day and we're getting into asobuco and we're getting into just velvety rich, I mean, fall apart pieces of meat, um, pot roast style, that can take heavy, that can take bold flavors. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm getting choked up already talking about <laughs> all this. Um, so that's where you're going to get into uh, like your mashed potatoes. Like this would be a great vessel for that. And instead of even being a side, it can almost be a pillow or it can almost be a bed for uh, your pot roast. Um I'm a layerer. I like to layer things on top of one another. I know there's people that, you know, my, my brother is especially like one where his food can't touch. Uh, it's got to be like the Dixie place with little ridges in the way so that his, <laughs> his gravy can't work its way around. Um, but as I'm, as I'm shredding that uh, shank, or even if I'm going with the asobuco and I'm pulling that out, rather than stick it beside a mashed potato, it's going right on top. Um, another one to do is a rice pilaf and a rice pilaf is basically instead of cooking your rice in water, you're taking stock. So if you've made venison stock, this is what, this would be an amazing thing to put that in there. Um, if you just got regular beef stock or chicken stock, that works very well. Um, but basically you cook the rice in that way and it goes in the oven and then you're able to pull that out. And so now you've mixed, you've married that starch and umami, the meat side of it with that side dish. So now they're working their, uh, working their way together. That handshake is happening because there's a bit of that element already in the side dish. Um, potatoes, I mean, they just, they just take on whatever flavor that you're looking for, um, but something with a heavy starch, something with a bold, uh, heavy heaviness to it works amazingly well. Like with your pot roast, uh, onions, carrots, potatoes, sectioned up, quartered up, thrown in in the last hour. Like that stuff you just eat up because there's already been the marriage inside the pot. Um, that uh, that stock is already rendered in and cooked those, those vegetables. So that's already a match made there in heaven. Um but yeah, it's really about that seasonality. And then when you're going for these long, slow cooks, it's usually wintertime. At least that's when I end up doing them. Um, and so, yeah, those vegetables that I pulled from the garden or that are in season at that point in cold storage, and that's where those root vegetables sing, um, that's that's the marriage made right there. Right. Okay. Uh, any other honorable mentions when it comes to side dishes? Ah. Uh... Are you a Brussels I'll, sprouts guy? I am a Brussels sprouts guy. Uh, half those, again, olive oil, salt into the into the oven. 
it's pretty much the same story over and over again for the vegetables, <laughs> you know, olive oil, salt, pepper into the oven, but letting the vegetables like do its work. Like vegetables do have a flavor. Vegetables do have a note that, you know, you can pull green beans out of a can. They're, they're, it's like, it's pretty flat, but if you're able to take those and um, step it up, either in the oven or even to, to steam those. I know I've taken my cast iron right to the grill and as, as the charcoal's heating up and it hasn't fully gotten up to heat, I'll start the vegetables then, or I'll start the, the green beans then. So by the time the meat's ready to go on, I can pull those green beans off the cast iron and they're ready to go. Uh, but yeah, like a green bean with some high heat to it. Uh, just letting the vegetable easily do its job. I don't have to mask anything. I just, pretty much oil and salt. Uh, but then at the same time, now I've got that pan and that piece of meat where I can in turn find a way to make that connection. So that's where the sauce would be made. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it's pretty much, I go with seasonality, I guess. So depending on what the season is, that's really, it's going to decide what my side dishes are. I'm going to have a Tuesday where pre- Pre-quarantine, pre-social distancing, when I would come home from work on a Tuesday and I have 45 minutes to get dinner put together, there's a lot of single notes going on. But at the same time, when I finally get that time to be able to, to up it up, that's when I try to take advantage of that. Okay. All right. So let me ask you this. Uh, we have 10 minutes left in this. Oh, before. boy. Yeah. So so uh, this podcast has already flown by, but I've, I have restrictions today because my wife has a meeting in like eight minutes, nine minutes. So I want to talk about alcohol pairings. Typically, I am a, you know, a beer guy, a bourbon guy, but don't tell anybody, but I love wine. Like I, I am the older I get, the more I start, I'm, I start to like wine with my meals. I have wine almost every night before uh, bed, a glass of wine every night before bed, maybe three. And, uh, <laughs> depends on how the kids were, you know, well, and, it depends on the size of the glass. I that's mean, you right. Have one, one glass, but that's a big one. I know. I know. But, um, what's your, what's your take? What is your go-to alcoholic beverage with, uh, your wild game? All right. Um, yeah, like you, I had a, a trial by fire um, when it came to wine and uh, and beer. And I've kind of been put into almost the perfect position because Michigan is, I want to say, one of the, if, if not the greatest state in the union itself because we not only – have Beer City USA 20 minutes from me, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, they actually been was given the award of Beer City USA. We have more breweries per capita than any other city. So the amount of beer and different types of beer I've been able to test and try out is huge. At the same time, we have an area north uh, by Traverse City that I would say rivals Napa Valley in California for the amount of wine and the different styles of wine that are up there. That's a bold statement. That's very bold. I've been to, I've been to Napa Valley. That's a bold statement, my friend. (laughs) Well, when you come over for in October, I hear you're coming over in October. Right. You'll have to take a John up to Traverse City gotcha. after you after gotcha. you score your big beer. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, keep going. All right. So if we're going to pair with um, venison, let's stick with one thing because I have basically four hours of material that I'm trying to boil down right here. Uh if we're going to stick with just venison, we're going to want something that is that can stand up to the venison, that's going to be a little bit bolder, and that's going to probably be a red. Red is going to be what we're going to be going for. Now, on a beef porterhouse, you want to have something that cuts that fat. You want to have the dry. There's a matrix with wine. There's a dry and sweet yep. versus a fruity and earthy. So... On the way high side of that, you're going to want something with a porterhouse that can cut that fat. And so you're going to want to look for a Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, my French is terrible, so I probably mis- mispronounced that. But that Cab Sauv 
is going to be a great thing to use when it comes to venison and how bold it is. Yep. Now, venison doesn't have fat. At least there's not a lot of ingrained fat in there. So maybe that for some folks who are not wine drinkers like you or I, but they need to tone that down just a touch. And so they need something with a little bit more earthiness to it, but just a touch more sweetness. And that's going to want to bring you down to a Merlot. I want to say a Merlot is probably a great middle of the road red wine that's going to pair very well with a backstrap. Right. I'll elaborate. I'm going to elaborate just a bit on that too. Pinot Noirs. Uh, they are, uh, well, number one, they're a great all-around wine. But a Pinot Noir, uh, when I had my backstrap, I had a glass of Pinot Noir with my backstrap. Ooh, dude, that, that just sang, I bet. I bet you just love that. Dude, it, it tasted so good. Not only just the perfect, the a great wine with a good slab of meat, it was so good that I ignored my kids even more than what I already do. <laughs> it was just, so you just it sold blocked cases everything out. Pinot Noir. You mean I can ignore my kids? That's how good it is. <laughs> That's how good it was. <laughs> so I, I strongly, you know, if you're having a rough day with your kids, hey, a good a good backstrap and a Pinot Noir will will help you just ignore them. <laughs> I love it. That's a good call sign. That's a good finish in right there. So yeah, we got a cab sob on the dry end, then a Merlot. And then, yeah, if you really wanted something that just quiets everything down around you, go with a Pinot Noir. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, beer. Beer. Uh, grilled meat uh, and springtime, like the one I'm drinking right now, is probably going to be an IPA. That's going to be a great start for you um, because it can. it's got – it's got a bitterness to it that really sings well with the char and the bitter that comes from the grill. So you've got that already connection right there. Plus, anything with bitterness or sourness is going to really excite your whole palate. So the more bitter or sour that you're drinking and eating while you're having like a burger that's been grilled or a backstrap that's been grilled, it's going to then excite the rest of the palate and it's going to be able to pick up on different notes that normally you wouldn't you wouldn't have so that's an indication of your drink actually helping out the meal at that point right okay um i'll be honest with you dude i'm not a ipa guy i I, i'm learning how to drink them so don't talk trash on me but (laughs) but like i i whenever i go for you know, to a craft brewery or I'm at a bar and I don't order a domestic, I am drinking some kind of wheat or I don't know, a a blonde or some kind of light colored beer. There you go. Uh, you ever heard of Oberon? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Michigan based. Yep. Power to Kalamazoo. Yes, sir. Anyway, that Oberon, here's the thing. What you want to do is you want to be able to mix that Oberon in with, uh, if you need a marinade, use the Oberon on your wild turkey okay. because that citrus works really well with poultry, especially the, the turkey on that point. So you grill your bird, and then because that's a wheat-based beer, you have your wheat-based with your wild turkeys. Ooh, that that's what you want to have right there. So, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with having a wheat-based uh, beer at that point. But, yeah, you get an Oberon or a Blue Moon, something with a little citrus into it, that. That's where it's really sitting gonna pretty, make sitting pretty. Things look good. All right, dude. Last question I have for you: What is your death row meal? Oh, my death row meal. I tell you, I make an asobuco, and it's not, it's not the Italian. It's more of the Tuscan variety. There's a lot of uh, black pepper into it, and in fact, the base of it is red wine. And you stew that uh, shank quartered up in that uh, in that liquid. You let it go till it's ribbony and just velvety. Pile up a thing of, of red skin mashed potatoes. Skin on. You've added the cream cheese. You've added, I mean, all the amenities into that. We're, this is my death row. I want everything to it. Ladle or put three pieces of asobuco or shank on my plate, ladle on that sauce, 
let me finish before you pull the switch. <laughs> and that's it. That's, what <laughs> that's it. it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a, uh, mine is going to be probably the backstrap that I cooked uh, with mer- sauteed morel mushrooms and probably a, a big scoop of mashed potatoes with some kind of compliment gravy and maybe a, a side dish of cooked carrots drizzled with balsamic vinegar or some kind of, uh, I don't know, some kind of drizzle, like caramelized, car- caramelized sauce or whatever over the carrots. I think that yeah. with, and, and here we go, let's get fancy and p- pair that with a Cabernet Sauvignon. I think uh, we're, uh, we're sitting pretty. Or if that's too much for the death row budget, then it's going to be like, uh, fried deep fried walleye with bush light and uh, pork and beans. Oh, you can't get better than that. That's also a good one. I'm not a big believer in reincarnation. In fact, I'm not at all. But if I get to come back and have death row meals time and time again, <laughs> I think we'll be I on death row. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Nick, uh, I got to go. So I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and chit chat with us. Um, about food and we're definitely going to have you on again to continue this conversation awesome i am blessed to be uh on the nine finger chronicles this is incredible so dan thank you for your time and folks always keep your knife sharp and there you have it ladies and gentlemen huge shout out to nick from the hunivore podcast man go check that out that's a really good podcast on the sportsman's nation podcast network huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast Vortex Optics, The Average Conservationist, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Wasp Archery, and Ozonics Scent Elimination. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. You know how this works, right? Other than that, thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Please go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and be sure to leave a review. Subscribe. That way it comes directly to you. And make sure you are following us on the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook and Instagram pages as well as the Sportsman's Nation Facebook and Instagram pages. Uh, Remember, I know a lot of us are inside right now or we're maybe confined to a specific area or space but there are things you can do to give back in 2020 and one of them is cash for conservation go to the nine finger chronicles instagram page and check out my cash for conservation posts on ways that you can give back to conservation so it is 2020 let's try to give back 